Kia episode 54 has arrived and this one was a real privilege. Uh, we got to chat with Josh Higford for this one and he is a former New Zealand Survivor player, founder of the Ripple app, chairman of the Taranaki Foundation and a cancer survivor himself and in this episode he shares his journey in all of those areas and it was humbling, it's inspiring and you know, as a fellow Survivor fan, as you guys know, it's always good yarning a bit of Survivor. Um, and here, from a real life Survivor himself, Josh Hickford. Kia ora. Sweet bro, well Joshy, what's up man? Thanks for, um, thanks for giving up your, what are we? I forget, we're in lockdown, Wednesday night. Yeah, days days blend into weekends now. <laughs> oh, yeah, what are you guys level two? Uh, yeah, we're level two. We haven't really had to, had it tough in New Plymouth, to be honest. Even in last year's lockdown, it never felt like a you know an apocalyptic zombie out, outbreak. But here we are now. <laughs> well, it's it's funny you say that, man, because I even um like I like I said off of air before I'm from Fongamatai, and everything major that always used to happen felt so far away. You know, it's all the big city stuff but now that i'm living in auckland it's kind of like you feel so close to everything that's going on eh? it's it's crazy yeah yeah yeah. i guess yeah, these government updates impact you a lot more than us because we're kind of like in the we're in the the ga area but you're in like on halfway on in the, the expensive seats on the, on the front line mate <laughs> but taranaki man like i was saying bro i've never been always wanted to go um you must be you must be loving life down there if you did you grow up there bro yeah, I went to Francis Douglas, which is um, the Barrett, um, where all the Barrett boys are from. Had a oh, most of them in my first fifteen when I was. I was going to say you would have had them, you know, kicking around with you. Yeah, we had Bodie at fullback. Um, certainly didn't think he'd be the best player in the world at that time. He was pretty safe. Interesting. Safe under the high ball, big yeah. boot, um, good on D, um, and bold good leg spin in the first eleven. But um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that every A. Hey, I love that man. Every but, uh, yeah, the Nackies, small town. Uh, it's a good place to live, eh? I've grew up, I was born here, um, <clears throat> went off to Varsity in Wellington, love Wellington, it was kind of just a bigger version of New Plymouth, mm. uh, pretty chilled, everyone's pretty friendly, good cafes, good food, eat your heart out with sport, I had over 100 appearances at the Cape Town, um, oh, not playing, obviously just attending. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to go, oh mate, it's under, under 25. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh that's wicked bro, I um. I was reading the other day because um, I, I, I'm the same sports like any sport throw it at me other than motorsport. Yeah, I'm just like I, I just doesn't doesn't tickle my fancy. I know everyone's watching that drive to survive or whatever it is at the moment, and all these people are getting into Formula One, but um, not me personally. But um, bro, your Bulls are like smoking it at the moment in the in the Mitre Ten or whatever it's called, but they're not going to get promoted. Yeah, I know. I was um. I was reading up on that because um, in my in my work job, we're actually the official charity partner of Tamnaki Rugby. And um, okay. so we're in quite a bit of chats with them just every now and then. And yeah, I was messaging um, Jimmy at the union, who's like just a real passionate um, Tamnaki man that runs the cutter up there. And he, yeah, they're, they're all a bit dark about it, eh? Because like, we're 5-0, and oh, we haven't done that for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it just seems like we're getting ripped off. <laughs> the fact that there's two two divisions and you kind of cross over and you can knock over that whole division and now you can't go up. It should just go back to one NPC like the old days. 
Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Eh? I think um, you know, not that we not that we are super political on the on this show, but I think that <laughs> the big wigs of Auckland and who else is up there? Um, I know Auckland are coming last. Wellington, um, counties like Harbour, all these kind of guys eh, that are like, yeah. Nah. I know Harbour. Actually, yeah. Harbour's not up there. But. Yeah, they've hundred percent just gone. You know, <laughs> it's the same as the cricket landscape. Like if India go, you know, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> true, man. True. Oh, so do you? I'm trying to get my geography right. Central Stags is that? Yeah. So yeah, CD. I actually worked for New Zealand cricket for ten years uh, as a video analyst. Pretty no, random. No um, way. Started off when I was about. 16 i think 15 16 and i used to do the video analyst which is essentially coding everything that happens in a match on a piece of software and then the output is a digital scorecard that the players and selectors and coaches and whatnot use and i travel around the whole country every ground in new zealand was a pretty amazing job was this with cd or or nz i started off with cd and then i was employed by new zealand cricket it was just a summer job it was like a full-time summer job so it lined up real well with school and with um, uni but I, I remember at school we they gave because one of the games was just on during the week because it was just it wasn't like school holidays and they just yeah. gave us a year go to that so I just took the week off school and got paid. And <laughs> oh mate, that's funny, eh? But your CD was always a bit strange um, growing up there. It wasn't, but CDs Hawks Bay, Manawatu, Taranaki, and Nelson of all places. So it's almost Nelson. like yeah. Well, you look at Alaska's part of America, but it's kind of like way up there, out of the way. But yeah, Nelson's part of Central District. That's buzzy, mate. What about Blenheim? Yeah. Was that all was that all encompassed? So top yeah, of the South all, Island. Yeah, top of the South is part of Sydney. And Wellington's like the evil dudes in the middle that are like <laughs> got yeah, I don't the know what I don't know how that happened. Like if some um some poli- there's politics and cricket. Um just look I think at it's the, re- the same in rugby too. Similar. It was. Yeah. Right. The hurricanes were like Yeah, well we Taranaki's part of the Chiefs now, which I've never ever wrapped my head around um growing up the hurricane again i'll bring in the barrett name but kevin yeah. barrett was in there and like all these iconic tanaki players playing for the hurricane the canes back in the day and and tana umanga john lomu christian cullen yeah man all these guys and and even now and then like to try and chant chiefs chiefs i just couldn't do it <laughs> oh i was about to officially welcome you to the family bro welcome <laughs> to the chiefs uh <laughs> the chiefs, chiefs mana yeah chiefs mana now it was good in 2012 mate. and 13 but that was it yeah, yeah. My I lived uh, with one of my good mates, Mitch Mitch Graham, um, former chief. He yeah, played yeah. prop for the Chiefs and for for the Naki. He lived in, in this house here for many years, but yeah, he played for the Chiefs. But he's from Waikato, so um, I supported him when they yeah. played. But whenever they played the Canes, and they used to always tee up the the Chiefs to play the Hurricanes in New Plymouth, which was always a good game. Oh man, a home game, but not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I um. It's cool, man, because you come from a community, right? Like when I think of like Taranaki, I think like Hawara and all those kinds of places, right? Um, and obviously New Plymouth and all that. But it is still a community vibe, you know what I mean? Like Auckland, you're in the city. Wellington, you're in the city. You went to varsity there. Um, speaking from like growing up in a community kind of vibe, bro, what, what, what's, what do you appreciate about that, bro? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's because... I think people from Taranaki and, and Hawke's Bay and Nelson, those sort of regional centres, um, have a, a reputation of being quite vocal about where they're from. And I remember being at Varsity, and yeah. for some reason, all of us, Hawke's Bay and Taranaki boys, we'd always band together. And like, we had a really good rugby team in the 
in the university under 21s and we were just battlers from the provinces yeah i love that um, but <laughs> the boys i think yeah i think the word battler is like you come from the province and you just you're, you're always trying to punch above your weight and mm. francis douglas kind of breeds that culture of um just like a good college man and and just do your best sort of thing and, and that's probably the whole community and, and you're right with um no matter if you're from Hawara, Opanaki, um, New Plymouth, you've got that mountain in the middle as well that connects everyone. And mm. it's like got quite a strong pull. And your people, I don't know, they just have that real proud to be from here. Um, yeah, and yeah. yeah, quite vocal about it usually. Yeah, yeah. It's it's cool, man. Is that the mountain in the background I can see on your wall? Yeah, it is actually. So man. there's a there's a it's actually up, I can say the road, Kent Road, because Instagram kind of blew the secret but um oh. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, there's a road there's, there's actually a lot of roads and uh, around the mountain that lead up and make great photos but that's me standing right in the middle of the road and um i actually i had cancer in that photo and we took that photo well my wife my now wife took it she's got a she's a bit of a photographer but it just shows like the power of the mountain and like how small you are but um mm-hmm how you can sort of draw some inspiration from it. And there's quite a lot of, um, you know, mana when it comes to, you know, we use the word mana when it comes to that mountain. Like I, oh, when was it? I remember reading some some model or something. I probably got the story completely wrong, but like took like a nudeless, not nudeless, topless photo up the top of it or something. And it was considered like quite disrespectful. Do you know what I'm talking about? I might be yeah, getting yeah, my wise across. It was, um, it was a, a lady from... Uh, overseas somewhere i think she was european um, yeah, right. uh, uh, influencer <laughs> influencer yeah the old denude uh the topless shop looking away and yeah, from in terms of multicultural that's like as disrespectful as you can get especially on the peak because like the peak of a mountain i think like you're really not even supposed to yeah, yeah be up there. Up there, but you know you've got to get to the top but um yeah what yeah that the mountain has um well, it's, it's deemed its own entity and its own like personality. I've probably got the words wrong there, but and it's been renamed to Tanaki Maunga, which goes back to its um, mm. you know, origins. And But, yeah, the, there's been some crazy stories with our mountain and the mayor of in about the 1970s, my rugby club, um, Tukopa, uh, decided to do a fundraiser and they carried the mayor of the time up there on a stretcher from their rugby club. So that's like... Shucks. Oh, it's a long way. That's and a mess. To the top, I, I bumped into him yesterday, and <laughs> um, yeah, random. And he, we just got talking about it, and um, he said there was only one spot that was super dicey because when you get up to the top of our mountain, there's like this real thin piece you've got to walk around, and to get around it, they had to like hold him on the stretch out, like basically over the ledge, and he was just going. <laughs> And um yeah. Look at this. <laughs> he thought he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the only time he thought shit, I'm in trouble here. But um, yeah. and then I know again, you know, probably not very culturally appropriate, but a couple of uh teenagers carried a barbecue up there. Um Mate. at one time and had a and a couch. I don't know how they did that. It's probably it seems like a big waste of time. But um yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's lots of stories with the mountain. I'm sure there were even more stories from hundreds of years ago. Oh bro, you can imagine eh, that the uh, that what people would have gotten up to um bro how for you because i I mean sort of similar position where like i'm i'm pakeha white grew up in a in a community where lots of you know maori population you know um i wouldn't say it was 50 50 but it was kind of like 60 40 maybe 70 30 i don't know but um for you i'm assuming that was this like the same like you know growing up in a community that 
you know, lots, lots of Māori. Um, how was that for you, man? Like, cause I noticed when, cause then you've gone to Wellington and I went to Auckland North yeah. shore of all places. If you know the North shore, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and you just realize that, whoa, our communities are so different to, I guess, bigger, bigger places. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up, I, I went um, to a Catholic primary school and Catholic um, high school, which is France Douglas. But again, at the college, predominantly Pākehā, um, the, uh, the Māori percentages are definitely lower. And, and being in the first 15, again, we were um, atlas of, of, of whiter colour. <laughs> but go, um, and then it's probably the same going to Wellington, but um, that changed quite quickly because our university team was uh, mostly Pākehā, but most of, almost every other team was either uh, Māori or Pacific Islander. And yeah. there was huge size, size differences there. Yeah. Um, but, um, we we would always be fitter than them, and and in my opinion, had better rugby now. So um, we always had a good game plan. But you're growing up in a community like Taranaki. Probably the older I've got, the more aware I've got of um, different cultures. Yeah, right. Uh, Taranaki's got a strong farming background, and you know people have some pretty strong views. Yes, uh, yeah, true. But even in my role now at the Taranaki Foundation, and because I'm exposed to so much community need, like the the diversity and need and and people that are struggling out there across all demographics and cultures is, um, yeah, quite mind blowing, really. Yeah, man, it's you don't know till you know, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it's often like, and I mentioned it before when I got cancer. You you don't know about half of that or even what chemotherapy is until like you literally get smacked in the face with a, a cancer fish, and you're like, oh, cheers. And yeah, you an expert. Like, yeah, you don't know until you you know. And we've just had a baby and half the stuff I've learned in the last few months, it's like <laughs> absolutely <laughs> crucial, but you yeah. don't know you need to. Yeah, man. Bro, let's like, bro, you've had a journey, man. Like, and I'm keen to talk about some of those things you've done, obviously like things like Survivor and um, I know you've done some Iron Man stuff and, and obviously some of the, I guess, philanthropy or entrepreneur kind of stuff you've done post the, that stuff. But bro, for you, man, the biggest, you talk about being a battler, um, <laughs> The that cancer is one of the biggest battles that anyone can face, right? Like, I, I you're actually the first person I've, I've yarned to that it has had cancer on the on the podcast. I mean, um, so I'm really interested to see, like, bro, I've lost lots of mates and I'm yeah. in my 20s, you know, like mates in my 20s, yeah. And you got it at how old were you, man? 20, Three, I was 27, bro. Tell me about that, bro. You what, what happened? You went to a yeah, so I, um. Yeah, yeah, you say that because you really don't expect it at any age, let alone in your twenties. And yeah, and when you when it, when it happens, you're like, you actually do like you're like, I was pretty pissed off because <laughs> I was yeah. like, what have I done? I've done anything wrong. Yeah, I, and yeah. um, and I well, the cancer I got was Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a blood and blood cancer in your lymphatic system, and I had it up in, in this side of my neck. And the first question I was like, well, how did I get it to the doctor? And he just said, oh, it's random. Uh, we don't know what causes, causes Hodgkin, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And um, the average age is a 28-year-old white male. That's like the the middle of the demographic. And I was like, bang on it. I was like, oh, something's triggered it. I don't, yeah. and, and we don't know, And um, which is, irks me a bit because then it'd just be, then you can try and maybe stop it from coming back. Or, but at the same time, you just got to move on. But um, yeah. Yeah, I was just playing cricket. Um, still, I was still playing club rugby and club cricket at that point. <clears throat> and I've uh, just found a lump in my neck and 
thought it was maybe a um, blood vessel that had blown or something because it was unoffensive. It wasn't yeah. sore, no bruising. It was just there, but it was a little bit like shouldn't be there. Went through the process um, and did you used to watch House? Yeah, with um, Hugh Laurie. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a bit old now, but it's still Yeah, that's a niche reference, man. <laughs> yeah. But it was like a house episode, and um, this, it was about a two-month episode where found this lump, and it was just a kind of a – where Hugh was trying to look at what the hell's going on because every test I had was kind of like, oh, no, nah, it's not too bad. It's like, yeah, your inflammation's up, but the problem with cancer is they can't actually do a blood test or a – this and they go, oh, there it is, which is which is kind of the worst part. They can do a whole lot of screening and kind of rule things out and narrow it down, but even the narrowing it down um, was not quite conclusive. Right. And then in the end, I had a, had a um, biopsy on my neck, and the word biopsy is never a good word because that means they're basically testing for cancer. But that came back sweet. <laughs> they were like, oh, there's nothing in it. We haven't found anything. I was like, oh, okay. And you must and, have felt relieved, though, at that point. Well, you know I mean? it was probably more um, confusion because I had a right. whole, I had like a grapevine on my neck. So if you have like a, I'll just use my survival buff here. Yeah. Um, oh my had, gosh, what a legend. How good. If you had like, say that, say this mouse is a whole of grapes and you put it under that and you like roll over it, you feel the grapes. Yep. That was like my neck. Right. And it was obvious something was going on, but they were like, oh, it's not cancer. And I was like, oh, I feel it's some rare disease. I'm going to become like famous for some random. <laughs> yeah. yeah epic thing but um in the end you always get second opinions and go to different doctors and i ended up at palmerston north for the for the peak of the house episode and i was in a room with 17 specialists and they basically asked what's your name where were you born what's your parents history um all this stuff and i'd just done my big oe in europe just before mm. this i was like oh have i been to a country and gotten bitten by an insect or i don't know just yeah, you yeah. Know, you'd ask really the questions questions. yeah exactly and then they walked out of that and they were like, then the conclusion was we're not sure. And they actioned another biopsy. <clears throat> and then they ended up re-examining that initial biopsy and, and they found it in there. So the day I found out was pretty buzzy because I was going in for a CT scan um, on my chest at this point because I had a little cough. And um, I had my boss, I was at TSV Bank at the time, and I had the CFO's car um, yeah. and just popped in to do this and I actually got a phone call while I was like lying on the table about to do the scan and they told me then so it was a massive like blindside yeah. <laughs> and I, I didn't have no immunity idol to whip out then and, <laughs> yeah, uh, man. would have been useful in survival oh, too bro. Yeah. <laughs> and then I had to drive back to work with my boss's car and it was the most bizarre experience like when you find out someone <clears throat> someone's died or you get that text or a Facebook message or a phone call it was and the, the best way to tell it is when you have found out someone that's really close to you has died. It's like this cloud or bubble comes down on you. And then all of a sudden I was just like, my everything was heightened. And I remember driving back to work and I was just looking at people on the road at the crossing, like, oh, where are they going? What are they doing? Because wow. they're just going on, going about their lives. And here I am driving past. So I've just been told I've got cancer. And, yeah. and that kind of proved that you just never know what someone's just been told. If someone yells at you in the supermarket, like they might have just found out their mum died. Hundred percent, man. I, I I've came to that with uh, rage. What do you call it? Road rage. You know, like yeah. not that I ever had it, but when people cut me off, my instant thought now is maybe they're rushing the hospital because something's just happened, or they've just been told the worst news and they're not focusing. It's interesting you say that. 
Yeah, well, yeah, it's it is yeah it makes you think. And seventy one Kiwis get diagnosed with cancer every day in New Zealand. So you know, truly, seventy one people out there oh. have just had a blindside, which is that's the real pandemic. <laughs> yeah, man. Shark. So, bro, like everyone looks at death differently, right? Like some people are like, "Yo, all good, bring it on." Some people are like, "Hell no!" Like uh, that scares the crap out of me. Where were you on that spectrum, like of of like, you know, you you hear the word cancer, and obviously you have hope that you can beat it, and they found it early, and all that stuff, which is great. Yeah. But yeah. even so, there must have been that thought of, you know, I could kick the bucket. Yeah, the well, the first thought, because uh, I'm I'm always looking to the future, goal driven, set like quite ambitious goals, like, mm. and um, that like if you're looking out say 10, 20 years, that like shrinks down instantly. And then you're kind of thinking, Oh, I just need to think of like a month. Cause you're like, what's, what's, what's the game plan now? How's this work? Cause I don't know anything about it. Um, so I just immediately educated myself on what I had and, and what the game plan was. But I, as once I had, I like to be prepared and plan um, a little bit spontaneous, but um, yeah. <laughs> planning is pretty key. And you know, you'd generally be successful if you plan, reasonably well but yeah i like to plan and and once i knew that the attitude was definitely like you will not defeat me um i'm not going to go down with a fight because i knew exactly what i needed to do and i had the work my workplace was fully on board with like supporting me really good family and friends that mostly live here um my now wife was there as well um and financially i had the security because you know that's a big one for people that get told something like that but yeah, because yeah, that's, that's that's one thing, man. Like, um, and I don't I don't know. I'm keen to hear like what your path to recovery was, the practical. But you know, my friends that have got it, uh, and one did. Oh, a couple have passed away. It was funding for their treatment, man. Like, I remember one of my bros. He's from the Hokianga up north, and um, and I went to uni with them, and it was like mm-hmm. they needed to get a hundred grand, and yeah. they did all that they could, and they only got fifty. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's so sad. I'm I'm actually on the, I joined the Taranaki Cancer Society Executive, um, and Central Districts, and I'm on a national board as well for them. So I'm quite involved and yeah. across all that stuff now. But uh, that funding piece is a real um, bit of a shit show, depending on what cancer you've got. Yeah, and what I had, um, the treatment for that's been around since the seventies or eighties, so it's quite old in terms of well-developed and probably economical right. and accessible. Whereas if something, if David Downs, I don't know if you know David yeah. Downs, yeah. he he had a form of cancer that pretty much said no to all the treatment available in New Zealand. And he got told he was going to have six months to a year to live. Like it's just a straight terminal diagnosis. Mm. And he ended up going, he ended up having to go to America, but he kind of, he's a pretty proactive guy and he ended up writing a whole lot of blog articles documenting his um, journey and, and someone in America saw that and picked it up and they kind of got in touch with him. So that was the whole, like, you throw the fish hook out to to the universe and see if you can snack, snack, snack something. Yeah, that's a good analogy, man. And for so you, he, what? Yeah. Karen? He, yeah, he, he didn't get lucky, but he, he ended, well, he kind of did in the fact that he, managed to, you know, fundraise a whole lot of money and, and get over there as well. So he, he he got in that way. But like you've just talked about your mate who 
could only get to 50 but like if we were all going to go and do give a little pages like that's not a sustainable way to no. fund cancer patients in new zealand and you're you're now on the boards of things like that and looking at it holistically as as a you said it like it's a shit show you know looking at it as an issue for you bro do you see a solution for that because you know you hear stories of it's like loads of stories of that kind of thing happening do, do you sit there as a survivor of it yourself and go hmm. is there a clear way to kind of figure it out or not really i think like the, the probably the blunt answer is no right yeah <laughs> but, yeah of course but you've got people like um blair vining who was down in southland that was a massive advocate and he and if you get people like him and hopefully some of the work i've done with ripple and the cancer society that if there's enough people doing it over time it's a bit like mike king in the mental um health space like if you yelled loud enough and get another five hundred thousand yeah. people to do it with you then they have to take notice because we do live in a democracy and i guess some people will say during this COVID environment we don't but yeah. we do live in a, a country where the government gets voted in and, and they do have to listen to the people um yeah. having said that there's farm act there's overseas and then there's there's literally just not enough money like we can't you can't do everything but I don't know. It's it's. I'd love to say that one day you'll get a cure for cancer, but yeah. I, I know. I know you're probably not the cancer wizard in terms of you know the answers. Um, but you just said something that interests me. And look, man, like you're the first time we've had someone on who, who've had who's had this experience. Yeah. So you know, it's kind of and for people listening to this, you know, this is probably the first time. It could be the first time they've heard you know firsthand because because it, it's a bit of a tapu thing, right? When someone, mm. you know, when someone has cancer, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I, I can speak for a few people that have said the same, that it's kind of like, oh, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to offend. Like, we don't want to, um, you know, when your mate, when my mate got cancer, my first reaction wasn't actually to go and like, you know, speak with him, be with him. My first reaction was like thoughts with him, but I don't want to like, mm. you know, I don't want to touch that because I'm scared of how he might, you know, react. Yeah, Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's kind of this yeah, thing of like when people get cancer, it's like, whoa. Yeah, it's almost like, yeah, that's an extremely common um, response. <clears throat> and if you haven't been exposed to it in such a raw way, you, you won't, yeah, it takes a little bit to get used to that. But I had the same thing. I was pretty public about my my journey because I just, I approached it in a way like a team of team approach like yeah i had yeah. cancer but mum and dad felt like they had cancer the workplace colleagues were like and like everyone kind of bought into the the yeah everyone talks about a cancer diagnosis like a battle like you're trying to defeat someone which like, i guess it is a battle but um that, that going to war analogy is just a common one that people kind of draw to but um i guess the community went to war for me um yeah and, it's kind of like you got a you got a first eleven together, mate. You know. Well, yeah, you, you took the words right out of my mouth because the analogy I give is um, Pukekura Park, yeah, uh, cricket ground in New Plymouth, where the the Bulls actually played their opener this season at. Um, it's one of the most iconic cricket grounds in the world, but it's notorious for its small boundaries, so they call it like a postage stamp. Um, yeah, ground. yeah. And because that's my home ground, and I got got the cancer early, we were playing on Pookie Park, so we had small boundaries. Um, which meant the total we were chasing was a lot more achievable. And in, in all cricket games, it's not just one wicket, you have 11. So we had Baz McCallum opening up to get us off to a, a ripper yeah. start. He'll get um, 50 we... off 10 balls or zero or five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's not talk about that World Cup final. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> but I, I knew that I could lose some wickets 
but you mm. can still come back and win because I think some people where get cancer, even people that like our mate gets cancer, they think, oh shit, he's he's stuffed, like game over. But it's mm. not always like, yeah, okay, that is that is the case sometimes. But um generally there's some option where you can kind of either elongate your life or, or actually get get the W and defeat it. Sharks, man, that's a that's a bloody brilliant analogy, eh? Did you have that analogy kind of in retrospect or did you have it at the time oh I, I, I pretty much approached my treatment plan like a sports game um yeah. and i knew that in any game there's obviously facets of the game where you're gonna be up be down like even an all-black game um they're pretty good at um snatching victory from the jaws of defeat yeah. um maybe not in the last game but uh, yeah <laughs> at least there's, there's no almost, almost did. <laughs> yeah yeah there's no yeah yeah there's no ref in cancer so you have a bit more control i guess yeah but um yeah the, the sporting sort of process i just i like it because you can it's not just you like you can draw on experts or bring people in or or tap out for a bit and just um yeah and mm. the other one was mount everest um which obviously we've got our mountain but serena mm. hillary was um a great new zealander that achieved an amazing thing through Legend. not not wanting to be the first man that climbed it, but he here's a quote where he talks about to be extraordinary, you can just be an ordinary chap sufficiently motivated to reach um, yeah yeah challenging goals. And I guess yeah, I drew on him and I had a picture of Mount Everest on my wall, and I had little like numbers, and then every treatment I just put a little number as if I was climbing it. So um, boom, bro, that's yeah. mean. That's so cool. And for people listening here, that. Legit could it could have it could have cancer of some stage or any kind of disease that requires not just disease but anything that requires steps to get to somewhere. They you can draw that man, you can draw off that, um, and yeah, apply it to whatever context. Like, I mean, say, even Hillary, I did an interview well, not interview podcast with um, a lady called Helen Thayer who you've probably never heard of because no one's ever heard of her, but she's probably the greatest one of the greatest New Zealanders, man. She's like yeah. she she walked to the North Pole, first woman to do so. Um, she, what else did she do? Walked across the Gobi and the Gobi Desert in the Sahara and um, kayaked the Amazon. Crazy stuff, man! And yeah. she's known overseas, like oh, the National yeah. Geographic were like named her as the top one of the top explorers oh, wow. of the twentieth century. And she's a wow. Kiwi. Yeah. Like what is going on? But yeah. um, she was friends with Sir Ed, and she oh, told wow. me she's in her eighties, bro. Like. It's like talking to your nan, bro. It's funny as, but <laughs> she said, like, for her, what Ed taught her was, and I'm just kind of jumping on what you said is one step at a time gets you up a mountain. Mm. One step at a time, you know. That was the same with when I did Iron Man. It was, it gets to a point where your mind, oh, your body kind of will keep going if your mind tells it to, because. It's yeah. just one step at a time. And as long as you're still moving forward, you're like shortening the distance to the finish line. Um, and number, yeah, and like you say, in anything, because the, the keynote speaking I do now is to very different audiences, corporates, a whole lot of 10-year-olds at a school, mm. uh, a rest home, and they're all at a pivot point in their life where they're going to have to show resilience because no matter how old you are, you're, you're stepping into unknown territory because yeah. like, you've never been there because you're a bit older <laughs> yeah 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 that's that's yeah which audience is the like not the worst but like how do i phrase it which audience are you most nervous about speaking in front of when you have to and i know you probably don't get nervous like you used to but yeah which well, are the ones that put the get this palms a bit sweaty <laughs> kids are easy because they oh they love it mate i'm a they, teacher they love it yeah 
Hey. They're wide-eyed. And after I'll eat on, it up. <laughs> yeah, after I was on Survivor, I've oh, never yeah. seen so many autographs in my life, and that was just bizarre. <laughs> um, I had I had Kendrick Hoxedge, who's the uh, was the world player of the year next yeah. to me, and I know her from back in the day, and she was just giving me so much shit. <laughs> yeah. they, they were like keener to see me than her. <laughs> but um, to answer your question, it's probably the older generation will say you get in front of like a corporate environment that have got a whole executive there and they're all big uh, dogs, been there, done yeah. that. And I'm, 30, oh, I'm 32 now, but a younger guy. And mm. and I, and it's almost like you're, you're not telling them how to think of this. You, I'm just sharing my experience and how someone else might take it. But, yeah, just people that have kind of been there, done that, and I, you don't quite feel qualified to actually give out some advice, but it's more it's more storytelling, really. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, that's a really good way to put it, eh? And I think... um. Yeah, I think sometimes people, you you know, I've been to keynote events and you're kind of like, oh, here comes old mate with the old PhDs and, you know, but when it's come from someone who's experienced what they're talking about, you know, they don't just know about it, they know it personally. Yeah, that's you know the, what I mean? Yeah, the feedback I've had is they were like, oh, that was like a real raw sort of down-to-earth how it is sort of story. And that's that's generally how I try and operate, just tell it how it is because when you're going through it, the, the the flash eerie fairy stuff's not going to cut it like you just need to get it done or or you just okay. want to know the truth like what's going to be like yeah man don't yeah. fluff it don't sugarcoat it hey yeah um so bro for you what was the so obviously you got you got that um diagnosis and you and you talked about your mindset and the things you kind of put in place to climb that mountain right mm. what was the actual in terms of time length between started chemo right i'm assuming you went through chemo Yep. To the end. And then the first time you go to the doctor and they say you're cancer free, what was that time frame? Yeah. So I found the lump in December and then went through two months of my house episode, um, which overlapped Christmas which and New Year's, which was niggly because uh, they shut down and like, yeah, that was that was the worst part. The worst part is like almost you know you've you know something's wrong, but you've got to wait it out because oh, it fine. takes time. That's yeah. the worst part. Um, and I have little scares. I had one recently like that as well, where you've got to go for a checkup and then they're like, oh, that level's raised. Do another blood test. Oh, it's even gone up higher. And then you're like, oh, what the f-? Yeah. <laughs> Um, But then in January, I found on January the 28th, I found out. And then I started chemo a week later. Um, and then I had three, oh, three and a half months of chemo um, just at my local hospital. I, I just live up the, down the road from it so i'd walk there and after every chemo i would walk home it was only like a 500 meter walk <clears throat> um and because i'm a massive walking dead fan so i just i'd just say i'm the walking dead <laughs> <laughs> yeah man well, black, black humor is definitely something that i adopted during the way um which some people didn't appreciate during oh it. mate you have to like, do that <laughs> yeah oh man people a lot of people when people ask like um, like I just did and you're like yeah mate I did chemo for three months and it always gets kind of left there because I mean I, I, and I me personally like you always find you know you don't want to touch on something too delicate for someone but you say you're a blunt a blunt speaker man like what is chemo like like legitimately bluntly like what is yeah. that experience like because from the outside perspective it's kind of like some sort of radiating, you know, thing. It does, it does its thing and you kind of lose your hair. And that's kind of all people really know. And people, yeah. you know, you vomit and all that kind of stuff. But like straight up, what is it like, yeah. bro? So, yeah, the movies obviously kind of always give off 
a really cliche view of anything and cancer's the classic one how yeah lady this probably sounds rude but lady gets breast cancer maybe some surgery then the chemo the hair falls off and then like the weather like like a, a buff yeah, <laughs> and, yeah 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 and that's what everyone thinks and everyone thinks chemo is all the same but chemotherapy is not just for cancer it's for um kidney failure any a lot of diseases actually but right the chemo i had was it was a cocktail of four different chemos Shucks. and there was, there was one called bluomycin which kind of has a pretty nasty sounding name yeah bluomycin it sounds like gangrene or something yeah and um <laughs> that was read in the syringe and most of them are on a drip so the drip just sits up there and it'll just go in but this one's a syringe and the nurse actually pushes it in and it just like feeds through this long thing and i, I can oh. vividly remember the first day i had it because that was the first like cab off the rank of the four yeah and um i just had it there ready and she's like, oh, are you good to go and i was like oh no other option yeah. <laughs> and she just pushed it and i could see this red like poison because tino's poison and it was like going up the thing and then it just went and then it's in your body like there's no turning back um just. so and within about 30 minutes I just looked apparently like a ghost, which is what happens. And yeah, yeah. I was like looking at me going, whoa, you look like not well. But um, anyway, um, but that one, that blew a mice and I knew I'd gone on Facebook and joined this American group and asked some questions about what to expect from chemo because they have the same chemo over there, which is quite yeah. useful. Yeah, very useful. And they said blue mice will make your piss go like bright red, oh, like blood red. Oh, whoa, really? Yeah. And I was Holy like, I'm grateful I knew that because you would have been like crapping yourself. You'd be like, oh, I'm dying already. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah. But um, naturally, I was prepared for that. So I just got Snapchat all ready to go. And um, oh, like, cool. oh mate, there he is. What a bloke. You're totally from the necky, man. And I just <laughs> snapped it to all my mates. And I was like, shit, first came out and I'm pissing blood. <laughs> That's cool, oh, man. But um, that, yeah, so I did that. But uh, and then That's the other. Awesome. The other three chemos that were in that cocktail were just kind of you'd almost call it like um if you'd got four hotshot um fighters going out for you they all did their own thing so they'd all sort of do their own okay yeah attacking the the bad cells but the problem with chemo is that it, it is it, it will kill you eventually because it's it goes into your body to kill cells and <clears throat> chemotherapy whatever it is is not smart enough to know what's a good cell and what's a cancer cell Oh, so, true. Okay. Yeah. So if, you, if you graft your healthy cells in your body, you might have like 10 billion, and then you might have only a thousand cancer cells or 10,000. So if you graft them and the, and the chemo came in as it would be killing them, it'd be going like that. So, like, you yep. both are going yep. down. And then, yep. So, when your good cells are getting demoed as well, that's when you lose your hair, your skin goes bad, you um, spew up, and other side effects can happen to organs and all sorts. It's a bit of a trial and error um, in terms of everyone reacts differently. Is that what happened to you? Uh, so I didn't actually lose my hair completely. I maybe just got resilient. I've got pretty, I've got plenty of it. Um, yeah, mate. It's an absolute jungle up there, mate. <laughs> but I can, I, I got to a point um, where at WOMAD, um, the, you know what WOMAD is? No. Nah. WOMAD's a festival, a music festival. Oh, yeah, 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 I do. Um, they have one in Adelaide. Yeah, um, I know WOMAD. Yeah, and um, so if there's a reason to come to New Plymouth or if you need one, that's probably a good weekend. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember... Is it over, like, water? 
Yeah, we've got a at Bowler Brooklyn's, which is yeah. in Pukekura Park. There's a big water um, yeah. feature. Yeah, I saw LAB played there like last year. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Because I went to them over New Year's and they were bloody amazing. Yeah, yeah, they were good. But I remember being at WOMAD and that was my party trip. So I was like, I could just pull my hair out. Like just pull it out. <laughs> Yeah. And they're like, how's chemo going? I'll be like, oh, yeah, not bad. It's not all pulling out yet. And Alex was looking from a distance she's, and she told me off because uh, you know, you, you do that 50 times and then you pull your hair out. But, um, yeah, yeah, true. I just got a short haircut and it actually held on. I, I was just lucky. But um, every again, every chemo is different. But um, the biggest side effect was probably you'd just feel hungover for three days after a chemo. And you, if you graft your chemo, you kind of get the chemo. You're actually not bad the day after because you're just pumped full of steroids and drugs and it kind of masks it all. And when that wheel wears off, your body's just in recovery mode and you just feel hung, like seasick on a ship for like yeah, a couple of yeah. days. And then you eventually bounce back and then they hit you again. So if you're graphing like your like feel-good peak, it just keeps on getting lower after each chemo because you just can't quite get back up because it's yeah, just taking hump, you down. Yeah. And, and that kind of like stuffs you a little bit mentally because you – Course. It makes you feel like a bit funny. Um, I, I wasn't too bad because I knew like I was expecting that, but you just have it does make you feel a bit funny, uh, which is weird. I think it's maybe just a chemical change as well in your body. Mm. Um, everyone's different, but I um, again just tried to work. Still, I did still work seventy percent um, of the time and trying to keep as normal as possible. Yeah, um, but. Your immune system's not what it because it's attacking your immune system as well. And I, we had flatmates at the time, and turns out one of them had strep throat, and I didn't know that. And like he should have because like our house was yeah. like PPE everywhere. Like yeah, pre, it was like early early bloody COVID. Yeah, yeah, you've um, had the PPE, first hand. trying yeah. to just make because if I got sick, I had no immune system. So um, right, it was over. Like, yeah. like a little cold would put you in hospital. Um, so yeah. I had a sore throat at about 6 p.m. And then at 8 p.m. I was like, like this is strep throat. And so I was just moving in so quick. And um, I was like, oh, what's going on? And then the flatmate was like, oh, 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 oh I think I've got strep throat. And he was trying to hide it. I was like, you should have just said something. Because like, it's, it's not, who cares, whatever. Yeah, but that's a fail. Yeah, that's, yeah, I was, yeah. There was, but there was no turning back. So I, had to, I just went straight to hospital. And, and the one, the beauty of when you have cancer... <laughs> Yeah, you, you get a first class ticket to the front. Oh, yeah, you, you still do that now. Oh, um, right. You got your cancer cancer card. You actually had this little chemo passport, and it, it, I lost it once as well. I made copies of it, but I lost it. And someone actually found it and turned it into the police station, and they rang me. So, um, so someone saw that and was like, "Oh, this yeah. guy's lost his chemo passport. It says my name. Like, what I've had. Why? Why this is important?" And they must they must have thought, "Shit! Like, this is actually quite important to him." So. Um, <laughs> I got it back, but yeah, I went up to the hospital for that one, and then they they were like, "Yeah, it looks like strep throat, but we can't test for it because you've got no immunity." Like <laughs> by the time we wait, you'll yeah. be big strife. Yeah. And in the end, they said, "Do you want an insulin tablets for two weeks or just a shot in your butt?" So I went for the shot in the butt. Nice. The lady, I think, I felt like she hit my sciatic nerve because it was the most pain I've ever felt in my life. Really? Like, shot in the ass. Yeah, I was like um, hysterically laughing, but in pain. Just... <laughs> yeah, bro. I was like, oh, is, this supposed to, is this supposed to feel like this? She's like, no. <laughs> oh, dude. That's that's crazy. And then, bro, tell me about the day you found out you were sweet. 
Yeah, well, so after the chemo, I had two weeks of radiation in Palmerston North, uh, which you stay at a place called Osmond House, and that was every day. And again, that, it felt like I was going to a rugby game every day because I, I had to kick off time. And, and again, I just walked to the hospital. Yeah. And but every day I'd just play out on my headphones. Um, Imagine Dragons, Radioactive. So, oh, um, right, yeah, nice. Um, and because you are actually radioactive, because you actually, <laughs> yeah, 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 you're not allowed around pregnant women or kids. But really, I mean, is that true? Yeah, well, I think it's precautionary. It's the right. old, you know, one in a thousand might something might happen. But um, yeah, yeah. It, after one of the um, chemo's as well, I just remembered this. I um, let rip with a bit of bit of a fart, yeah. and my my twin sister. It made her sick. So there was obviously, and it was like straight after chemo. So there was chemo getting excreted from our body, and it was obviously <laughs> in that like bit of uh, hot air. And it like Fire made her sick. So it was. See, these are the stories that like people have, but other people are too like kind of scared to ask about them because it's kind of like well, leave that be your, th- you know? Yeah. Uh, and um, oh, so it's radiation. Things. I, I, it's actually in my room. I should have bought it, but it's like a Hannibal Lecter mask. They like mold your face because because I had it like there, yeah, there, the neck. and they um three D map like the tumors. So they with they can be pinpoint with um, radiation, and they don't want to get your throat or anywhere else. So they like it's perfectly on. But you wear this face mask that pins you to the table, and um, Shucks, man, it's real weird to look at now because it's. Um, I don't know if you're a Harry Potter fan, but when you see Voldemort yeah. pushing through that, um, yeah, that sheet, yeah, just like it looks exactly like that. I really want to make it into some artwork for the wall one day, but I've been. <laughs> the family's like, no, we talked like, out of it. <laughs> well, I'm gonna do it, but um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it'll just look epic. It'll scare the shit out of you at night, but <laughs> bro, that's um, yeah, that's that day that you you know you find out like you're cancer free because that's the one you go to a and it's been like a few weeks or whatever and they and you've yeah you... so after radiation i um well the one story from radiation was when you're pinned to this table i was like what happens if there's an earthquake because like i'm like face pinned to a table but she, yeah. oh, she gave me some, some instruction but um there's, yeah. there's, you just find yourself in so many bizarre situations that are so yeah. foreign to you it's funny like even an x-ray like i remember i got an x-ray on my tooth one time i was at the oh no it wasn't the tooth no it was my foot playing footy and um and I, Di henwood actually said this at a comedy gig i was at and it made me laugh you know how they tell you and radiation is totally different but you know how they tell you it's all good it's just this whatever and then they bugger off to like hamilton you know like they leave no. in this room like they just see you later they just <laughs> yeah. yeah how safe is this really <laughs> yeah. <So> self-destructing <laughs> yeah yeah um, and then, yeah, so after that, what well, I they do what is called a PET scan, um, which is like a which is ultimately a cancer scan, um, but they're real expensive, so that they, that's probably why they don't roll them out for everyone unless they have like a real good cause, right? But you do one of them at the start and one at the finish, and that is basically like a heat map of your body and it shows where the active cancer is. And the way they do that is they inject radioactive sugar into your blood cell, um, blood. Yeah, right. System. And you have to literally lie there for an hour still to let it circulate. But there's no clock in the room. So, like, and, and having to See, lie somewhere for an hour is like, it's like a Black Mirror episode because you're like, how long to go? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I hate that. Even when you're trying to sleep, you know, they always tell you not to look at your, you know, yeah, at the, at the, at the clock. But yeah. But, so, the first heat map showed like a whole lot of 
whole lot of snickos on my neck. And um, then the then the heat map at the end was the one that was well, all things being equal, would show nothing. So you do that pet scan. Um, I remember where it was in Wellington. And I think we went, there was a Hurricanes game on, and it was actually when we won the America's Cup. Um, when we finally retained it after Barker yeah. and Co. Yeah. Um, Stuffed it up. Stuffed <laughs> it up, yeah. Oh, man. But, um, yeah, we were oh, – yeah, I was in Wellington and then got the phone calls actually at work. And, yeah, it was a real, like, massive weight off the shoulders. It was quite a, like – you just felt so light after it. Yeah, yeah. Said, there's no, There's no measurable sign of cancer in your body. And I was like – does that mean I'm in remission? <laughs> and then she's like, yes. So yeah, that was a pretty phenomenal feeling. Um, and for people that don't know the term in remission. So remission is, is generally that there was cancer present in your body. And then now post-treatment or whatever you had to get rid of it is that there's no sign, no yeah. visible sign of the cancer. So you're in remission. It's crazy, remission. man. Like that weight, like you talk about the weight off the shoulders. It's kind of like, I mean, I can't, none of my experiences can relate or, or compare to that. Right. But you know, when you got the flu and you kind of forget what it's like to be well, and then when you're well, you know, that feeling of like take not taking it for granted that you're actually healthy again. You're like, Oh, good to go. Like life's like, I can bloody do stuff now. And you've you kind of get familiar with that feeling when you can wake up and you, you know, the dramas of the day or the dramas of work, whatever, you kind of forget that whole I'm healthy thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a good way to look at it, actually. Um, I remember we had the flu last year, and it was like, this is horrible. <laughs> oh, it might have been the year before, actually. It was pre-COVID, but, and then you, when you feel good, then you forget that you feel good. But with cancer, you probably just like reminded me about that. Is I, I quite often have that I feel good um, due to having gone through cancer. And yeah. I maybe, it's, maybe I just do it to myself or I remind myself all the time, but there's a lot of triggers around that trigger that you've had cancer and it gets, it's like part of who I am now, but that happens a lot. Um, when I went to America to go storm chasing after survivor, I jumped out of an airplane. Um, and that was a moment where you just felt like, Oh, this is amazing to be alive sort of thing. Yeah. And heaps of those moments now that it does happen, like even with our son Bennett, that you do feel that like feel good um, sort of vibe. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, and, yeah it's, it's kind of like, I mean, I, no, I'm not going to lie. I've had a couple of days, teachers, we've just found out that we've got to go back to online learning in Auckland and I'm just like in this rut of like, no, but um, I kind of have to remind myself that I can breathe. I'm all good at the moment, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, totally. And it's for anyone listening, you know, like it's a cool reminder just to like evaluate where you're at and go, okay, what is what is going on? What is going good for me right now, you know? Yeah, I think that's a good good point. Everyone should sort of adopt that as there's always going to be ups and downs and challenges, but sometimes I embrace the challenge. And then when you get through it, enjoy that you did get through it because otherwise, like, what's the point? Like, life is pre- would be so boring without challenges. Um, yeah. Hopefully there's, like, not too many life-threatening ones. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. but without challenge, doesn't there's no opportunity. So that's the way I see it. That's cool, man. And I was going to ask you what, what, what you would say to someone who's uh, – going through the same journey you went through. And I think you've kind of already nailed that on the head, man, with your mindset and what yeah, you did. Yeah, just do. surround yourself with people that, like, cut the toxic people because <clears throat> when you See get camp, you very quickly find out who your mates are and, yeah. and even in some instances who your family are. But <clears throat> it's real amazing which mates pop out of the woodwork. Like, there were some people that 
I wasn't that close to, but they were like there and it was interesting, but whether or not they had their own experience or could relate to it, but yeah, it was, it was super interesting to see who um, came to the fore then, but yeah, Yeah. definitely, yeah, surround yourself with people that are going to help you actually get through this, not just. Mm, 100% man, a thousand percent. And I, I, even my own experiences with mates, you know, the only thing we could do was be there for them. You know, yeah, we couldn't we couldn't take it away from them, but we could be there and yeah, help support in any way we could. But um, mm. but the cool thing, bro, about life is that you're not defined by one thing, you know. And huh. you know, a lot of people think of Josh, and it's like Josh the cancer guy, which is, you know, that's not necessarily true. That's not all of who you are, because I was first introduced to you as Josh the survivor player, bro. And <laughs> I take it you were were a Fiverr fan before you jumped on the show or were you kind of flying blind yeah no i i, I remember the first one oh, um, good man. I, I wouldn't say i'm a super fan but I've, I've watched a lot of survivor and yeah and then when i got older because it's with the internet now it's very easy to watch back shows but back in the day if you missed it you missed it mm. um in the TV old VCR days, um, some of our listeners might not know what VCRs are, but um, we do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, bro, <laughs> I used to remember. I remember used to record shows on a VCR. You know, when you check it and push that, or they get over. They someone would tape over them before we watched it, and it's gone. Dude, hundred percent know what you're talking about. I used to tape Doctor Who, and then I'd go to put it in a Coronation <laughs> Street's on. I'm like, what the hell? Bro, that's yeah. a throwback, eh? But um, when, when Survivor became popular in Australia again. I because the American one is is, is good, but it can get a bit of much the same. And some yeah, of those Americans yeah. are quite intense characters. Yeah. But um, Aussie, the Aussies play Survivor bloody well, and I've, I enjoyed. We were watching their seasons religiously, and I didn't even know the first season of Survivor was even cast or anything. I was getting radiation when we were sitting there in the lounge at the um, accommodation in Palmerston while I was getting radiation. And then an ad came on saying premiere tonight, Survivor New Zealand. I was like, what the hell? Like, I don't know about this. This is bullshit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just looked to my mum and I was like, I'm going to go on season two. And um, it was almost like when I said that, the universe was like sweet and yeah. it just happened. And yeah. it was only three months. Oh, I'd only been in remission for a month when applications opened. And then four months later or whatever it was, I was playing Survivor. So I was only in remission for about four four or five months that's crazy dude yeah <laughs> i i wish i i wish i applied because now they they've obviously pulled the pin on it um yeah for now hopefully it's just for now i think it'll come this the season two is definitely better in terms of production and gameplay than thousand season one but hey be glad you went on season one. Oh no nah. well i might have won i probably would have taken that <laughs> yeah oh, nah. yeah, nah, yeah nah, season two, no idols is a bit of a joke in survivor in season one it felt like it felt like like I mean, hey, all good. RV, RV won it. Yeah, RV, good on you, man. Yeah, um, yeah, I actually met good. I met Salah. Remember Salah? Yep. Met him at a, some conference. I was I was doing a education conference thing. Good man. But yeah, yeah. Go back. Get, go into your season. Hey, eh? it was it was cool to have some game players. But for you, what was the? Because I don't know what the difference. Because I've spoken to a couple of Survivor players on this, and obviously we have our mutual friend Jerry. But what? Was the application process? Was it like a video you had to send in? And yeah, yeah, that was it. Was quite fun actually. Um, it was all hush hush, and and yeah. I, Alex, sort of filmed it for me. But and again, I had I had the cancer card, so I made sure that was um loud and Played loud. Hard out. 
Um, and so you just did, because the problem with these videos is you've actually got to get their attention in the first 10 seconds because they just get so, so many videos and or applications. And if you don't get their attention straight away, they'll just move on to the next one. Um, yeah. That's kind of what they said as well. So if anyone wants to apply, make sure you have a strong intro. But I did that. I started off just trying to look for an idol in my backyard, but filmed it like it was on Survivor. And then, like, is it, and then just went straight into me talking to the camera because you've got to show them that you can talk to the camera. Yeah. Um, there's a few guys like Adam in our season who was an absolute character. Yeah, uh, that's all right. It's our, we all talked about our application videos on the island when we were bored, and yeah. his one it sounded like it was in like a dark room on a bed, and he was just talking to a camera. So they all they do vary, but I think if you can show you can talk, have animation, and have a bit of personality, you're definitely mm. in a good chance. But yeah, I, I there's a guy called Dom. Um, he came second in the season Ghost Island a few years ago. And um, he does a lot of like help with casting videos for Survivor. And he says the same thing. It's that first 10 seconds. Do you know how many applications you bid out to get on? I think it was about 5,000 in our Shucks. season. Um, and the cast was what, 16 or so? But yeah. even if you look at the cast, if you say cut in half for male, female, and then there was like four guys with long hair. So that was obviously, I don't know what was going on there. But and then <laughs> if you chuck in a little bit of diversity and then age range, you really, for me, being 28-year-old white male, I'm probably competing with for three spots, yeah, um, which is pretty small. That's when you narrow it down to that. That's pretty. That's pretty insane, actually. Well, you even it's the same with Aussie. Like, um, there's probably in certain demographics only a couple of spots, so it's yeah. it's definitely hard to get on. But yeah, it was it was a, such a cool show to go on. Oh man! And so was yours in Thailand? Yeah. 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 So a lot, what a lot of people don't like. A lot of people have heard that this podcast and heard the stories of Australian Survivor players um, and different things like you know downtime and you know what it's really like. You know when the cameras are off, it's legit. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah, How would you describe? Because this is my favorite question. Well, one of. But when you first rock up to the mat and it's like you're on, the cameras are on. You've realized all of a sudden that Survivor's is a lot of production around you. Well, maybe not as big, you know, being in New Zealand. And then you got Matt. Was it Matt? Chis- yeah, it was Matt Chisholm. Yeah, Matt Chisholm in front of you. Camera's rolling. What's that? What's that like, bro? Yeah, so a bit of a bit of a story there. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not on the contract now, so I can probably just say what I want. But yeah, um, man. Six the, months expiry the, date, surely. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> the first, the morning of we went in, we're on these boats, <clears throat> There's like the, the, the local Thai people use <clears throat> going on with drones and did all the, the, the um, intro footage of just you just steely Dan at the camera. And yeah, yeah, those around. ones. Yeah, I know. But it didn't take much because you're so part. I was, you're so, you're like, we're about to go into Survivor. Oh, we're going into Survivor. I'm on Survivor. It was like, what the, like, it was a bit of a, <laughs> it was a massive WTF moment. Yeah. Like, this is actually happening. Yeah. They did all that. We got up to the mound. And then we got to the mound and they were like, great stuff, guys. So we're just going to go back to the accommodation. We're going to start tomorrow. And we no like, way. Yeah, yeah. It was, I was shocked. I was like, what? You can't. What? It was like walking up to an All Blacks game, doing the anthem, and then or the hucker, and then being like, oh, good stuff. That was just a practice run. Bro. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was bro. a massive build-up. Yeah. But as it turns out, like, because we thought we were going and they got all the footage we wanted. And I think, I don't know whether it was a bit of a mine, you know, or, but it was just like such a classic. We're in Survivor now. Like even 
like production don't control the game, but it just felt like we were in Survivor now because it was just like all yeah. right, game on. It was they just created that sort of atmosphere of high stakes. Was it um because I we have mutual people that we know um who've played and one of the experiences I've heard of is the whole shebang of like blindfolding out of the hotel room for photo shoots and then back to your hotel room, you're isolated, you're cut off from communication. Was it that intense for New Zealand or not really? Yeah, to be honest, they, it could have been done a little bit better. Um, it, maybe it comes down to budget and how much, how big your production crew is. Yeah. <laughs> but they, yeah, they did isolate us and it, we got separated and you weren't really allowed to talk too much because the worst thing about the start of the game is <clears throat> if you get to know someone or um, people give away it's not a, not a secret, but just a bit more about who they are and those first impressions. Because I know in the American one, they all fly in completely separately with a producer. <clears throat> so when they land on the beach, they're literally standing next to someone that they have no idea who they are. Yeah. So Aussie's probably a step back from that, where they, as you've just said, they do it that way. Then we were probably a slight step back. I think it all comes down to budget. But the yeah. the morning, so that second morning, we obviously went back and did it, and um, and it was just the same intensity. Um, but you're rocking up to that mat with the cat lane matches and it's like, you know, welcome to Survivor uh, Survivor Thailand. Yeah. Uh, he's talking to, and the camera, like everything's there and all of a sudden the production crew are not joking anymore because it's like cameras rolling and they're all like, no, they're at work now. It was it was a definitely like a, a wow moment. And, and then you're like, this is going to be on TV. So you're always thinking, oh, I'm like standing up straight and, yeah, that's one aspect you kind of, and I'm sure as time goes on, you start to not give a rip what you look like or whatever, because no. it's just, you're living in the elements. But yeah, that, that's another aspect, eh? When even learn, how did you find learning to talk to someone, strategic talk or, you know, stretch out, whatever, when the camera's right beside you yeah, and you've just got to ignore it? Did that take some time or? Yeah, yeah, it was hard. <clears throat> it probably depends who you're talking to as well. Because if you're talking to say someone that, you're not aligned with or that you're not really that keen to work with, it's probably easier yeah. or, or harder if you're trying to like, you know, talk yeah. some shit. Yeah. Um, but when the cameras were on you, because there weren't, there wasn't one camera to a person. If there was cameras on people, you were, and you'd look over, you'd be like, oh, what are they talking about? Like, what's going on? True. Down? I've always actually wondered that, eh? Like, you know, when even when someone's like kind of sneaking off somewhere and the cameraman's following them and you're kind of like. Well, we, we watched the most recent Australian season and, and having been on it and knowing how it's produced, that I like that's all I see now. I'm like, how's he getting away with that? Like, how have they not? Like when George is hiding on the in the hill behind the well and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because someone's filming George when he was up there, and they're like, I was like, how have they not noticed? And they're not look. I guess there were no super, there were no um, return players on um, yeah. on that one. So maybe that. But yeah, and if when he was off hunting for idols, I was like, there's a camera like hustling him to, and they must have been like what but then i don't know you, you never know hey you just yeah it's it's funny because i yeah i've talked to you know the bro about that and it's like well he you, was the cookie he was the cookie uh on yeah. his season and him and luke um, had that big cookie jar and that's right and I, I, I won it then i was like when he sneaks off to just go get some cookies production are going to follow him and yeah he, yeah, it's interesting. Like even, and you know, we were talking about how when you rewatch the game now as a player or former player, yeah, it must kind of change the euphoria of it a little bit, you know? Yeah, well, it definitely makes you want to go back and play a game because it's, yeah, it's just such a cool experience. 
Yeah. So uh, my my um my memory on New Zealand, obviously you you would understand this being a you know American and Australian lover. My remembering New Zealand season is harder for me, even though I love it. But from what I remember, bro, I thought you were a good player. And I thought you got stitched up a little bit because from what I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the boys and the and the girl uh, yeah. throw a challenge to get rid of you? Yeah, yeah. So we... That's right. Yeah, that's I, right. My, my game plan in going into that season was I, I knew I'd be physically strong to a level depending on who else is in the cast. And I'm always like a people's person in terms of just get on with anyone. Um, so my, my game plan was really just to socially connect with everyone and people just look at you and they say, oh, yeah, we're working with Joshua. He's not necessarily in our alliance, but yeah, not against us. So <clears throat> that was working like pretty well. And You were like Hayley, bro, from the recent season, kind of that middle ground player, you know? Yeah, yeah, she was, and this this will sound like, of course you'll say that, but she was my winner's pick from the start. Um, Me too, bro. I Bro, I sent the. I was talking to Daisy. Remember Daisy? Yeah, yeah Daisy. Um, and yeah, I, she was and I, weapon, physical weapon. Yeah, hard out, man. Bogan ass. But I said to her, <laughs> Haley's my pick after episode one. Oh, nice. There you go. It's Same page. Document. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's somewhere in the archives of the podcast. So anyone yeah, listening? So when she can't... got voted out, I was, like, I was so dark. And then she came back <laughs> yeah. against um, Baden, who's a Matt Tour, I'm a big Tour de France fan. So it was oh, you would have known him then? Yeah, I saw his, I saw his name. I was like, what? That's Baden Cook from Tour de France. <laughs> um but um yeah Haley, yeah yeah i actually i really liked her game she she would she plays a game how i would how yeah. i would play and she was like physically probably underestimated for half that game and then then probably should have been voted out much earlier then she never did in the end but it's interesting eh? i thought the jury would cook her for um for harder than they did you know because i thought they would you know get their haunches up about George should have just said, well, I'm the only one sitting here that hasn't been voted out. It's pretty simple. Yeah, George's opening speech was uh, mean. It was mean, bro. And then he cooked that. He cooked the answers. Eh? <laughs> he just not good at the Q&A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bro. Yeah, no, when it was open the floor, it was cooked to a general business. Yeah. Uh, but, hey, for you, man, um, look, I bet you would be the first to say that you, you were – gutted how I feel like you underperformed in the, in the sense of man you could have gone way further because the way I look at it you're not like the Brad of your season you know the yeah. big obviously buff guy but you're a, you're a sportsman which means you're able in challenges so you wouldn't get thrown out for being a challenge uh, for being um, dead weight in challenges but yeah. also when it comes to merge you wouldn't have been you know at that point top yeah. exactly top of the hit list which is you know you always want to bring to merge bigger guys than you bit of shielding happening right 100%, yeah where what went wrong bro yeah it still worked like when you say that because i had it all planned out and oh, no, you didn't. we were dominating before the tribe swap yeah, so you've done three in a row or something hey eh? three or four yeah yeah which in hindsight well it's very hard to not not go hard or not win a challenge like, and it was a lot a lot of the challenges in our season were water-based and yeah, i'm pretty were. good on the water and some of our tribe and the, even and the other tribe they were just so bad in the water um so one challenge I remember, Matt and I, we just did the whole challenge for our whole tribe. We would just go down back and forth, back and forth, and we won it and like smashed the other team. But then you're like, oh, maybe we should just not go as hard. But um, yeah, we were dominating. Then the tribe swap happened, and Dylan, who was on our tribe, yes, was the poison that kind of infiltrated um, uh, Adam, or oh, not Adam, um, Aaron, Dave, and Renee, and they were just so obsessed with being Chani strong, which was the name of their tribe. 
And they had this idea that it was going to be... Because Dylan, from what I remember, he was like the outsider too. Yeah, massively, yeah. Yeah, he he just kind of ostracized... He, Dylan's all right. <laughs> but he just ostracized himself and like kind of victimized himself. And and he was, I think because he was such a big super fan. Do you remember that Aussie season where AK went a bit crazy? Yeah, very start. first episode, he's like... <laughs> he like lost the plot. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, we'll just vote him out. But they, And he survived and made it a decent yeah. way and then went on all sides. But Dylan kind of did that. He was such a big super fan. I think he blew up his game and was just really disappointed and couldn't recover from it. Um, but, yeah, he in the end, he kind of convinced them because I was trying to create an alliance with a couple of those strong guys that would go before me. And that was all looking pretty good. And Aaron and I met at the outpost to agree on that. And then I remember that ended up getting, yeah, they ended up obviously thinking, maybe not trusting me. Um, But then you had the extra element that where Dave and Matt went to school together, which was absolute bullshit. That was nuts. eh? I remember when that happened and it was like, hang on, how have they stuffed this up? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no offense, Survivor people listening who I doubt will be, you know, producers won't be listening to this, but yeah, that was a <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'd kind of get the I've I, I think on my I can't remember on my application if I had to put the score on it too, but I feel like that wasn't a coincidence, but you know, that's just maybe I ended up on the wrong side of that situation, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but ultimately, when yeah, that tribe sort of happened, we should have kept on dominating because again, we just had the stronger tribe. But they wanted to make a move to kind of, yeah, obviously get rid of myself. But but because there was the Matt and Dave thing, yeah, Dave wouldn't have done that to Matt. But then in hindsight, well, if I was with Matt and he was with Dave, well, why don't we all just team up and just go from there or whatever? But I yeah, I got man. caught out. That challenge that the challenge they threw as well was real easy to throw. Yeah, was that one where you hold the rope and you have to spell immunity with blocks. Ah, oh, yeah, and you even just, yeah. It's so easy to, yeah. And it was a real frustrating challenge for the other team anyway. And, and you, could you tell that, because I, obviously I can't quite remember if you said anything in the testimonials afterwards, but did you feel like it was being thrown or you had no kind of clue? I had no idea. And all the conversations we had even after it were like super positive for uh, moving forward together. <laughs> yeah, I, I just had no idea. And so yeah, I guess it was a really, really good blindside. But, hey, bro, uh, see it as a compliment, man. Only the big players yeah. get blindsided. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That's what Jerry said. He was like, the big, like, potential winners get blindsided just before merge. And that yeah. was like exactly me. I was like two days off. It was so, it was so gutting to like almost get to merge because once you get to merge, it's just a whole different ball game. Big time. Yeah. And hey, I don't, I would not say that the, you know, I don't know what the future of it for New Zealanders or Australia or whatever, but I wouldn't say, I wouldn't count your chickens yet in terms of that was the last time you played, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely <coughs> putting some vibes out to the universe. For that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I even, I just bench with Jerry and some of those Aussie guys and like that are in maybe a similar situation. I'm like, oh, <coughs> when they do the Survivor Anzacs, uh, Australia Tribe, New Zealand Tribe, uh, I'll see you there. Bang. How, how good would that be? Be sick, man. It would be awesome. And look, we could totally send them over to there, you know, go over there to have, um, oh my gosh, what's their, who's their host again? Jonathan? No. Oh yeah. Jonathan. Um, yeah. Jonathan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Imagine that. That'd be actually, that would be, that would be awesome. But at the same time, like when you rewatched the show back, what was that experience of rewatching? Cause obviously we as an audience see everything. 
you know, but then yeah. you're rewatching the edit going, okay, I'm going to figure out how, what went down, you know? Yeah. yeah there was, there was, that was, that was super interesting when people were sneaky or, or got away with it or obviously just denied something out. And then, but they were obviously did what they, <laughs> they actually did it. And you're like, oh, but um, yeah, rewatching was pretty, pretty uh, cool. Especially that first episode, you know, when they, intro everyone with the survivor theme song and they'll be yeah. like josh have the two hero shots like yeah. seeing that was like oh, i've made it like i'm on survivor that was pretty cool um yeah but yeah re-watching back the gameplay was interesting especially like my vote just to see how i was like oh, how did that unravel um you yeah. you well you because you must have known before the edit that you they threw it right i'm assuming there's some chat and you know yeah, that feedback yeah, there's, there's yeah. heaps of chat after it. i pretty much knew everything about the whole game um, yeah by then which was quite cool as well um but the you're watching it sort of unplay how production would portray different situations um overplay certain situations and i remember um because we had tessa the, the blonde blonde chick in our in our alliance and you know she was like reasonably attractive and they'd like played off. We were like these three guys that were just like under her spell. And, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and my, my, my girl, and I like copped a lot of banter from that. And I was like, that wasn't even like how it was. But then they'd just play like a couple of like clips where you're like looking like smiling and then they'd cut it in. And Honestly, like, dude, I remember I um recently I actually looked at the Australian applications for the next one, I think. Oh, yeah. Just because I was like, it says like straight up, you have to be an Australian citizen. But I was kind of yeah, like, I looked, imagine. I looked at that as well. <laughs> did you? I was like, imagine going, you know what? I know I'm a New Zealander, yeah. but come on now. You're scared of come taking on. me on. Like, I was just like having that thought. But I remember reading one of the things is like, we have the right to exploit all material used and manipulate yeah. it in a way that might not be true. Legit and not even fine print and bold print. I was like, yeah, okay. The edit's a real thing. <laughs> Yeah, that word exploit's a funny one because it's got like quite negative connotations. Yeah. But if you actually look up the definition, it's the word exploit, I think it's just to like maximize the value out of something, but it's yeah. used in a negative way. Yeah. It's funny. Eh? Like I've spoken to players that have had both a positive edit in their opinion and a negative edit in their opinion. And um, it is really interesting to hear that kind of balance, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely had a positive edit. And For sure. Because I had... I, I listened to all Ryan Brink's podcasts um, for like the three years in the proceeding to when I went on. Yeah. And I just like, it was like survivor school. We'd just watch episodes and go watch, rewatch seasons and everything. But um, I think he or someone else does like power ratings um, during yes. the season. Yeah. And I was like at the top of them, like until I got voted out. So yeah, you know, I was like, I was and cause I was getting a pretty good edit as well, but they were obviously trying to, build up the investment in a in a mm. castaway that was going to get a blind side before, before totally man yeah I, I mean i remember from what i remember watching bro i remember thinking i had your like I had you i had brad i had was it lisa yeah just because yeah, i was. knew she was such a super fan nerd of the game yeah. i thought she'd do well um and even matt a little bit um, yeah he was yeah he was good at talking and and like super friendly yeah and like just never pissed anyone off yeah yeah Oh man, and bro, that's that's when was that? How many years ago was that? Three years ago now. Yeah, it was in two thousand and eighteen. So yeah, three years. Yeah, it's gone fast since then. It was like an age, yeah. eh? Yeah, well, there's a lot. There's a lot happened since then. Um, Do you know why they didn't renew for season three? I think it just purely comes down to budget. Uh, okay, because it's a Warner Brothers production. 
<clears throat> the cost to like even just get the rights. And then right. you have to do everything how they obviously want it, which is good anyway because it leads to a better outcome. But of course. we're only like however many million people compared to Australia. Mm. Um, and and it, it seems that the much inferior product of Celebrity Treasure Island is um, much cheaper to run. Right. I don't watch it. <laughs> I, I watched the first four episodes and then it just got built up on my series link and I just deleted the whole lot. Yeah, nah. Sorry, Celebrity Treasure Island? Go back yeah, to the real game. Thing, I might still be available if, you know, <laughs> yeah. if that time's right. But uh, <laughs> oh man, that's funny, bro. Um, now nah, what a cool journey. Just before we close that chapter, um, Survivor like Legends, in your opinion, overseas, like anyone you kind of modeled after, or or uh, in your opinion, are the goats? Yeah, so Aussie, there's there's been a few on there. They've had some massive players. Um, like Jerry played a really good social game. Uh, that's what got him to the end, and he probably um, had some other strong players on a season like Luke. Like Luke's a, a really good survivor player and a really top Redmond. man. Um, the golden, um, what's his? Um, oh, Dave, uh, Dave, yeah. Dave, yeah. He's, when he won it, it was like, or it was kind of looking like he was going to win it. And you were like, how's he going to win? Like, just vote him out. But I he, I don't know, he just obviously somehow convinced them not to. And when he got to the end, I was like, and, and I was just like, he's just going to win. And he did. It was like such a clinic. So I, I actually recorded with Sharnay. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I, yeah. She probably, was she in the final two with him or yeah. someone? Was she yeah. in the final two twice? Yes. She came she second twice. Won the first one. Oh, 100% Shane should have won that. No offense, yeah, Shane. But she played the best game. And- the jury just got bitter, bro. Um, but yeah, so bro, hearing the heartbreak from because I asked Sean, I was like, "What were you thinking?" And she was like, "Honestly, we didn't realize how many moves he was pulling." You know, still, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess he just played such a good behind the scenes game. Mm. But yeah, there's quite a few Aussie players that have been pretty memorable. Um, in America, my my memory probably eludes me, but I've always quite liked the physical guys that. Survive by winning immunities. Oh, and the cold peppers and the Aussies, and yeah, although they because that's how people used to sneak in the wins back in the day, but they tend to get voted out um, more so yeah. now, yeah. But, um, yeah, there's just the all round players, even in the most recent season, you had um, um, I've lost his name now, he went out with two idols in his pocket in, in Australia, or yeah, Simon. Simon, yeah, yeah. He, um, I guess, I, I, if they have an All Stars or a returnee, he'll definitely come back because he probably never had his full, um, full crack at full that. crack at it. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think there'll be a few. Yeah, I mean, Australia, I, in my opinion, need to hold off and do kind of new players for a bit and then do it. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, nah, he's he's definitely a character to come back. George as well, and you know, yeah, George, yeah, and yeah, that'd be pretty funny. Um, well, for anyone that um, just went through the last 20 minutes of Survivor, just geek chat. <laughs> Thanks for hanging in there. <laughs> uh, I get carried away. I love it. But, um, bro, one thing I do, because I'm aware of time and stuff like that, well, but one thing got, I... I've got uh, this bit of PTSD here in you as well. Bro, that, I'm screen grabbing that. I'm going to find this, screenshot it, and put it up. That's, what is that? Is that the one that... Yeah, so yeah, they they were actually quite kind to us. For people they, that can't see this right now, Josh, Josh has just held up his voted out parchment from Survivor. Yeah, I'm holding back tears. <laughs> the, How did um, you get hold of that? They the production at the end, they 
like we got to keep everything that we took onto the island, including like our bags and bottles and all that. And um, I managed to souvenir the, the island map and like a reward challenge um, parchment. And then I've got all three buffs as well. Oh, man. They, they randomly emailed us and they were like, oh, we've just found the, all the voting papers from everyone's vote. Do you want them? And I was like, bloody hell. So yeah, it's, it's actually weird because, yeah, that's that's the actual parchment that I got voted out with. Who do you know who wrote on that one, or you don't know? Oh, uh, I could actually go back and rewatch and um see who wrote that exact that handwriting. Yeah, bitch was bloody bastards. <laughs> oh, uh, I'll be back. I'll be back. Um, I'll be back. Um. Anyway, hey, bro. One thing I did want to ask you, bro, before I let you go, is I want to talk about Ripple because I know, and I know you're on doing Taranaki Foundation, which is you know doing awesome things for your community back there, and it's cool that Survivor, I guess, gave you a little. Although you didn't, you were doing stuff before that, but it gave you that platform in a way, right? Yeah. Um, and the cool thing I saw what you did with your platform, Josh, is you you used it to, because man, people can get a little bit drunk with, um, you know, the platform, if you know what yeah. I mean. But you used it for good, and I remember seeing you, uh, oh, some like news hub or something or one news something, when you launched Ripple, which is correct me if I'm wrong, but the app to kind of connect other New Zealanders that are kind of going through cancer and stuff like that. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, that's you've, you've oh, what an that. idea. Yeah, it was based off my own experience. And and you kind of talked about it before that when your mate got cancer, you didn't even know what to say to him. But in theory, now you can go into Ripple and ask that question in a mm-hmm. safe place to a random person. Because <clears throat> it's sometimes it's weird. And David Downs even said this that often you'll get comfort from asking a stranger or confiding in a stranger about yeah. something because there's no judgment, there's no um Sure, right? preconceived ideas you just buff and they'll give you maybe an honest answer as well but ripple came from my own experience that i didn't meet anyone that was my age that had cancer at going through a journey that was even similar to mine so i want to try and create something that could help anyone that was put into a situation like this um, perhaps have a bit more comfort around finding questions but not only the the patient the person with the cancer because if you look at cancer society and all these cancer charities, all they care about is the patient because they only have enough resource to worry That's about the patient. To do that, yeah. But whereas if this is for anyone impacted by it, so friends, family, whānau, workplace colleagues, son, daughter, whatever, really, anyone can go on it and um, cool, man. talk and, and ask the real questions from grassroots level. But with Ripple, I did a big fundraising campaign based off you know that profile that I had. And again, Taranaki people love a national success story so yeah. they were just like dining out on it and um, yeah. everyone wanted a piece which was great and then so we raised the money and i ended up developing it with the local cancer society and launching it, it was like a startup it was um cool man taught, taught me a lot uh, about how to create something from nothing um, and how to deliver it on a national stage and then we yeah. ended up seven sharp and the project new zealand of the year awards and all that sort of stuff even that man i know like year last year year before you were shortlisted for for was it not New Zealand? Was it New Zealand of the Year or like Community something? It was the New Zealand Local Hero of the Year. It's, yeah, um, just below the mountain. Actually, it's my um, Your plaque. Yeah, so I was a semi finalist for the Local Hero of the Year. So we went to the awards and rubbed shoulders with some like truly inspirational Kevins. <laughs> and do you know what the thing is though, bro? And pe- like people listening don't know you. Like they heard your story and parts of your story today, but like the thing. Well, I mean, I don't know you either, really. But from what <laughs> I gauged, is that 
um, you just you're not you don't do it for any of that stuff. And I know I know you that's obvious, but you're just like this is what I went through. This is what I wish I had. So let's do something about it. Yeah, that's yeah, it's real. Like I'm a realist, and like it's real matter of fact. Like, yeah. And I, I had the skills to do. I'm actually a chartered accountant by trade, and I famously say now I'm the the first ever chartered accountant to be on Survivor worldwide. And that's another story, actually, because they had my title as accountant, and I like went to battle with um, Warner Brothers and said, "No, nah, it needs to be chartered accountant," because like, there's a huge difference. Yeah. It's like saying you're a doctor versus like a maybe a, a surgeon. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then they like they bent the knee in um, Game of Thrones terms, and then they put that on there. So I was like, yes, got a, got a little win over, over Warner Brothers there. Yeah, good but, man. Yeah, being a chartered accountant, it's like um, given me quite a good skill set to, well, in this instance, to use what I've learned here to do something from a life experience and then give other people some yeah. resource, hope, skills, whatever. And what's yeah. the feedback been, bro? It's been good. The Probably the biggest challenge is whenever you launch something like an app, the uptake and getting it sort of ingrained into society is quite difficult. Yeah. And even with the Cancer Society, <clears throat> digital services and digital um, offerings are quite new to that field because it's cancer's still quite an old school um, service delivery uh, model, which is yeah. just the way it is. People like to see each other and do this. But as we all know, here we are on a digital platform. Like Digital is the way forward. Yeah. And it's a really cost-effective way to deliver a service to a whole lot of people because scale is not an issue. Mm. But um, the, the feedback's been really good saying that, yeah, this is like 100% needed. Um, our challenge at the moment is just really trying to grow the awareness of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that's and for people listening now, bro, where, where, where do they go? I mean, I've, it sounds obvious, App Store, but like what's the, what's the go-to to find it, bro? Yeah, so yeah, on the Apple and the Google Play stores, you just search Ripple or Ripple NZ and download it. But we've got a website called weareripple.co.nz that um, tells the story uh, a bit more. But yeah, if you just jump onto an app store, you can download it. Um, yes, yeah. often you won't need it until you need it, um, but people will understand that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I'm yeah, definitely proud to have done that and. Sick man, handing the baton on to the Kent Society to then grow it themselves because it's not my app. People think it, they're like, Oh, how cool's your app? But it's not mine, I don't own it. I just created it and then Plus the Kent Society own it. Yeah, and and bro, one of the questions I always kind of ask right at the end of, of potties is kind of, and I know you say it's not your app and stuff like that, but just with what you're doing with you know, with the Kansas Society and with um. Taranaki Foundation and just life in general, bro. Like, man, you're doing Iron Man's. Like, bro, there's so much you're doing. Quickly, Iron Man's. Yeah. What? I actually, I'm not going to ask you why because I, I know you well enough now to know why. But what a cool venture, man. That like was twelve. It's like a twelve, thirteen hour kind of ordeal, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Ordeal is probably a good way to summarize <laughs> it. It's, it was so hard. Like, I've done some hard stuff in my life, but that one by far the hardest because when you are de- when your physical demands are like to your absolute limit and you've got to keep going because there's no way I'm failing like that's when you truly get tested and that's just when it all it's just all up top at that point yeah if you for, do people, the training, for people that don't know what Ironmans are for example oh yeah yeah so an Ironman is a, a three-leg triathlon the first um part is a swim 3.8k 
if you swim straight um, and it's about 2,000 other people that you start in a mass start and it's like a washing machine. I had people swimming across me, over me, all ages. Yeah, it's, it was mental, but it was like fun. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Time, you're just trying to, you're trying to just Trying to breathe. <laughs> yeah. So 3.8K swim and uh, then you get off and then you hop on your bike and you do 180K on the bike, which takes... Bro, that's like from Auckland to Whangamata and almost back again. Yeah. That's crazy. It's, yeah, that that was the longest I've ever been on a bike. And flat, or was it like kind of? Oh, it's, it's it's topo out to Repara, so it's sort of like uh, you. I think it's called a flat course, but it does have an undulating hill that you have to go over a couple of times. Yeah, uh, second time was pretty tough, but by by the end of the bike, like it's weird. You've never been so keen to run a marathon because <laughs> um, like you're like get get off this bike. I just want to get off the bike, but then you've got to literally transition and go run a marathon 50 k's 42 k's yeah how how do you train for something like that man yeah the the train here yeah, i'm not going to do one in a hurry again because i'm just too busy but the training <laughs> yeah. the training um is insane it's every day <clears throat> you at early days you do about eight hours a week but then by the peak you're doing anywhere from 12 to 15 um and it's just consistency through the week bit of power stuff and on the weekend you do the long run long uh, ride and i was running a half marathon every weekend for the four weeks before the event but the training's insane uh yeah man quite a costly event as well because you've got to put all this nutrition in yep but i'd recommend getting a coach if someone wanted to die i mean it just makes it a whole lot easier. because do you want to bulk up or do you want to kind of be slim like kind of kind of toned like what's the kind of perfect it's probably it's a bit of a balance you don't want to be like ultra um, thin because you've got no fat reserves because when you're doing that sort of endurance sport you actually do need a bit of fat on you because if if the shit hits the fan then your body starts eating the fat and then the same with muscles so it's quite a bit of a balancing act but yeah you do yeah you just want to be strong but yeah i don't know it's a hard one you need yeah, to be everyone's pretty, different i suppose in that but you only go as hard as you like the, the amazing thing with ironman is <clears throat> When you go and watch, if you go and watch it, there's just people of all shapes and sizes. Mm. And if you're the best in the world, um, and you've done it in under eight hours, which is phenomenally ridiculous, yeah. by going at the absolute max almost the whole time. But then you've got the guy that's finished just before cutoff in sixteen hours and fifty nine minutes, and he's going at his absolute max as well. So it's yeah. like relative to who you are and your effort. So it's, and uh, you were stoked with what you got, I'm assuming, like. Yeah, I did 12 hours 48, which for a first timer or just, oh, I'm just an average athlete. It's yeah. like decent. I was in the top 50%. So I was stoked with yeah, that. I, I just wanted to finish, to be honest. Um, and I finished yeah. on my own terms as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I Did you get across, away? <laughs> well, I, I ran across the line. Well, actually, um, I beat Carl Heyman and at the end, the ex All Black. But then yeah. people are like, oh, well, he's a prop though. Oh, no. Nah, don't. No, nah, he was an All Black, mate. Take he, it. He's like ripped now. He's way smaller now. Yeah. But I remember when I finished, felt I actually felt great, and I had some petrol in the tank, so I, I wanted to make sure I did, so I didn't like literally collapse. But I remember sitting down, and then as soon as I sat down, about two minutes later, I couldn't even bend my knees or anything. I was just cooked. Shucks, man! Yeah. But uh, yeah, amazing feeling crossing that line it was such a like the satisfaction was almost like finding you've you're in remission again because I just wanted to do something that I didn't think I could do before I had cancer. Yeah, and I thought that was kind of the ultimate test. Bro, that's 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 inspiring, dude. I mean, I'm I'm in my 20s and I've got I go for road runs and my knees are buggered after six Ks, mate. You know, this is playing years of playing footy though, but 
yeah. I envy that. I want to. I need to get strength. I need to strengthen my knees. Just a side note to myself. But um, I've always wanted to do a, like a marathon or half, maybe half first, and then go from there. Um, but yeah, man, what a journey. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, now now we've got a baby, and oh, we got married and got a baby, and so yeah, the things things just keep on happening, and um, yeah, and, so, it, and it won't stop happening, man. It'll be one thing after the other thing, and that's what, I think that's where I was going with my question till. I got distract, distracted, but like blue skies, all things that you do and have done and want to do, you know, where do you want to go in the ne- in the near future? And also kind of the sort of distant, I'm not talking like retirement, but I'm talking, you know, I know you said you're a, a dreamer, bit of a goal setter. Yeah. Anything on the plate at the moment, bro? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm now a chief executive of a ton, uh, community foundation called Taranaki Foundation, which that in itself is a bit buzzy to say because I didn't think I'd end up there and going coming from a chartered accountant into that industry is quite different. But that's a real people, public-facing role. Um, from And that's kind of opened my eyes to thinking, well, where do I want to go? And I don't really know the answer to that anymore. Um, I'd love to lead a company. Um, I think being leading the country is probably too hard a job. Um, half the country hates you. But... Um, <clears throat> Leading a leading a company that has a huge impact on New Zealand um, or Aotearoa, like NZ Inc. Just like mm. I'd love to do something that just makes our country a better place, but also like a better global player. I don't know even know what that means or what that would lead to, but just, mate, none of the greats do, mate, until they yeah. discover it. Eh? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I'm pretty open minded now um, in terms of I've had a lot of challenges, but every single one has led to opportunity. So I'm just waiting for that next opportunity, which could be in a year, could be in five years. Don't know. It'll come. And bro, you just hit the nail on the head. And for anyone listening, like challenge leads to opportunity. Yeah. That's challenge leads to opportunity and, and with no, without risk, there's no reward. So you'd calculated risks um, should always be taken and you don't be afraid because fa- there's nothing wrong with failing. Um, if you're going to fail, fail fast and then just continue on. thousand percent, bro. We always talk about it as a, as teachers, you know, the, the learning pit. It's called the learning yeah, pit for a reason, right? As well, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you know what I'm talking about, you know? You grow yeah. from, you You don't grow in comfortability, eh? Um, not always, anyway. No. Oh, not at all. Not at all. And yeah, we don't live in a comfortable world now. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, well, Josh, man, I just want to say, you know, sharing your story, of um, what you've been through and and stuff like that. I know that's going to inspire all the people that listen, but, uh, and I'm not trying to sound cliche with this, but like, thank you for sharing that man. And, um, and before I even let you go, I've heard that there's a secret to having an awesome man cave. I can't believe I forgot <laughs> to ask you, bro. What's yeah, the secret well. to the man cave <laughs> that is Taranaki famous? <laughs> But you've done some great research there. Not really, bro. I legit. I before I hopped on twenty minutes ago, I was like, "What do I not know?" Checked out the gram. I was like, "Man cave." Yeah, yeah. It's been on crowd goes wild. Um, the Ramfley Shield's been there. ITM Cup's been there, and it might have been in a few different pieces. Uh, <laughs> there's been All Blacks. There's been Black Caps. There's been all sorts of uh, shenanigans. But what do I look up right now? I'm going to look it up right now. This is live, folks. I want to see a picture. Um, if you search Legends Lounge Man Cave on YouTube, there'll be a little clip there. I'm a bit younger, but I'm gonna yeah. yeah who's that guy? It's me. <laughs> I'm gonna um. I'll, do you know what I'll do? I was I'll attach a, I'll attach a little sneaky thing when we when we post this. Oh, that's that's a blast from the past. Yeah, my man cave's got 
a lot of nostalgia in it. And I've, I'm a bit weird because I collect my sports event tickets. Everything is I that know. it, bro? Can you see on my camera? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, guys. Legends Lounge Man Cave. Look at that, mate. Do you still have it? Yeah, it's just down below me right now. We're actually, um, we're all those cricket bats far out. <laughs> yeah, we're in the process of building or designing a new house to build, um, hopefully next year. And yeah. there's no man cave in it, but there's going to be a, a like a whis- whiskey den, the old um, wooden panel den. So mate, it's just going to be more of a, a graduation. Mate, great oh, idea, oh. mate. We'll do a live part two. I'll come down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's okay. a Yeah, that can be your day doing in the necky. Bro, I can't think of a better way to debut in the Naki. Yeah. How good. Um, well, anyway, back to saying thank you. Thanks for hopping on, bro. Um, and yeah, man, I hope you've enjoyed the enjoyed the convo. I know, I know I have. Yeah, no, I appreciate. It. Yeah, it's always nice to every time I sort of tell my story now, it comes out in a different way. Um, and hopefully it's heard in a different way by whoever's listening. And yeah, if it, if it helps anyone, then yeah, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished, bro. Good, good, good.